This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 118 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. And I hope you guys enjoyed the Halloween special that we did. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, and that episode got more listens. The first 24 hours it was out than any episode we've ever done. Yeah. Which we can, we're not taking full credit for that, oh, obviously. Lord, no. It's because of the fact that all these other podcasts were telling people to, oh, gosh, yeah. to go we listen were, to it. We yeah. had 20 podcasts involved with that I kind know. of stuff. Wasn't that a blessing? That was a blessing. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. So, Thank three, you guys so much for doing that. It was th- fun. Three hours long and nothing but positives. Didn't hear mm-hmm. one complaint about it. Good. Yeah, we got a chance to give some new, some new uh, podcast out there a chance, and they mm-hmm. were excited about it. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, awesome. it was great. And I hope everybody had a great Halloween. Kind of sad to see it over, but... Yeah, that's, I'd rather have Halloween than Christmas. <gasps> I would. Not me. I think next year... Not, I'm sorry, y'all, but not me. I think next year I want to have, like, all Christmas decorations, but Halloween them up. Like Santa Claus with his head chopped off and bleeding. No. And a tombstone over top of him. And you know how I feel about Santa. Rudolph. I love him. Rudolph. Maybe, you know, this. frosty, half-melted. No. Mm-hmm. No? Nope. I will not be a part of that. <laughs> right. So we want to say a big thank you, obviously, to all of our military and civil servants all over the world. Thank you guys and gals for everything you do every day. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, I, th- I think a veteran every time I see them, and it's just like their whole face lights up. It's just amazing. Well, I mean, when you think about it, they're especially the the older ones, mm-hmm. like the World War II and the yeah. Vietnam vets, they're they're so proud mm-hmm. of what they did. That's why you see so many of them wearing the hats that say "veteran" yeah, on it and right. all that. And they should be, first of oh all. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So, so you know, if, if you're going to wear a hat that says that you're a veteran, I think that people, anytime you see one of those hats, you need to go over and say a big thank mm-hmm. you. You do, because it really means a lot to them and. I mean, just to see the reaction on their faces is overwhelming. It's just like, oh, my gosh. And I had one guy yesterday say, wow, I haven't had that said to me in a very, very long time. So they really do appreciate it. We appreciate all you guys so much, and we pray for you every day. All right. And like we like to do at the beginning of the shows, we like to remind everybody that you're special, you're important. And if there's ever a time in your life when you feel like that you're not, and it ever gets to the point um, to where you feel like ending it all that just want to let you know that you are important and there are people who love you. And I can tell you for a fact, if I've never met you, I care about you. Absolutely. And so don't, don't think for a second that people that are a part of your regular life don't care about you. Yeah. You're never a burden. You're never um, somebody that people would wish would go away. And I know sometimes in your mind, you might think that, 
But trust me when I tell you that's not the case. Not even a little bit, guys. We love y'all, and we'll be here for you as much as we can be, and I'm sure everybody else will too. Times get tough sometimes. Yeah, and they you do. Just, we need to lean on each other. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you can do that by uh, calling the suicide hotline in the United States, 1-800-273-8255. If you're more of a texter, 741-741. And like I said, if you just need to talk uh, and you'd rather do it through message or something like that, you can send Tracy or myself a message. You can be part of the Facebook group, and uh, we all lean on each other in there. Most supportive group I've ever been a part of on social media. I know. I've not been so more proud of a group than I am of this one. Everybody cares about everybody else, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's great, ain't it? With that being said, on the uh, Facebook group, and and we want to keep this as a support group for people. We want to keep it as a fun group. We don't want political statements just because, look, we all have political views, but, man, you don't you get enough of those everywhere oh else? Oh, my gosh. Facebook is full of them. I get to the point where I don't even I don't even write on my regular Facebook page anymore because I'm just sick of seeing political ads. And it doesn't matter what side you're on. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, uh, none of that. It's just, man, it just gets old. It's just, you know, this this states and the cities and the, the countries, it just seems like all around the world are just going to crap as far as negativity goes. And we need to love each other, and we need to jump on the positive bandwagon. And so, therefore, in our group, we don't allow political posts. We don't. We try to not allow anything that's really going to start an argument. We don't want arguments in the group. That's what makes our group special is because we don't have those things. Now, the reason I brought this up is we had to add questions to the group. So, when you, if you're not a member of the group and you want to sign up, it's going to ask you three questions. And these are three very easy questions if you listen to the show. It's going to ask why you want to join the show, what's the dog's name, which if you don't know, it's Ninja. So if you're listening now, there you go. There's your answer. And then it asks what your favorite episode is. And there is no right or wrong answer. And the reason we started doing that, we started getting an influx of people to just want to join the group. And they weren't listening to the show. They had ulterior motives in mind. It wasn't to to join up because they thought the group was fun. They were just going to use it because they wanted to post stuff that... um, we don't want posted in a group, whether it be political or whether it be just to get their message or whether it be about, you know, dog fighting in other country, whatever the case was, we just didn't want that. So we've had to result to the questions and not just let everybody in. So uh, hopefully if you're listening and you tried to get as part of the group and you didn't answer the question, you probably got denied. Just put in another request and answer the questions and we'll let you in. Yeah. We just want to keep it happy for everybody. So Santa Claus is watching. Santa Claus. Okay. So before we jump into this week's show, which is a pretty cool story that I've recently become acquainted with, and it's really not that far away from us. Uh, So I found it fascinating. I think you will too. I wanted to mention that we are in the process. It's not uh, specifically definite yet, but these things are going to happen. We're just working out final details, but we've got two live events coming up. And when I say live events, I mean this in the point of we've done some live shows and we've done them with some other podcasts and it was fun. We You came to the show and we had a good time and we mingled and all that stuff. But I think these two, two things can be more of an, a true event. If you were able to come to the Louisville show, you know we tied that with a tour of uh, Waverly Hills. That's a little more about what I'm talking about. If any of you are fans of Astonishing Legends and heard their newest episode on the Sally House, And the EVP that Scott had, that has inspired Justin Rimmel and myself, mainly Justin, because he called me up and said, hey, let's go do this. And Mm -hmm. I just thought it was a great idea. 
to set up an event in Kansas, Atchison, Kansas, where the Sally House is. Now, what sets this apart from the shows we've done in the past where we just, hey, meet at a restaurant, let's do a show, is we actually have some cool connections in Atchison. The uh, Maria Miller, who was on the show, uh, the very first Sally House episode of Astonishing Legends, you heard an interview with her. She is the director of tourism for Atchison. Her job is to get people to Atchison, and she's going to work with us on trying to set up some tours. Maybe maybe the Sally House, uh, not just the Sally House, we're going to get the Sally House, but we're going to try to get some other places in town. So this might be a deal where you can really come for the weekend and get the show that we're going to do, Justin and uh, our show, and then you can see the Sally House and maybe a couple of other places. Uh, I think Maria's going to come and actually talk that night about all the haunted places they got in Atchison. This is also the same place where uh, Amelia Earhart was from. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to do that in August. Like I said, we're working out the final details, but this is going to be a deal where we're going to get stuff worked out with hotel rooms and everything else so we can try to get everybody set in. And we're I don't have this much information yet on the new one, but we're working on Houston, which is probably going to be April or May. I'll know more in the next week. Sounds great, honey. I'm excited about that. And, and we're going to do the same thing there. I don't, I'll find a place to tie it with, mm -hmm. but I know Andrea Whitney, uh, who's with the Jasper Newsboy. She's got all kinds of connections in um, uh, Houston, and we're going to set up a similar thing there to where we're going to get hotel rooms and uh, all that stuff. So mm -hmm. it's going to be fun. Yeah, so that's what we fun. got to look forward to. We may not do uh, – they may be the only two far-away shows that we do in um, – uh, next year total, we'll probably do a, some more close ones and maybe even do Lexington or Louisville and stuff again. But these will be the two that are, these are eight or nine, ten hours away from us. Yeah. So it's going to be quite drive. the haul because we're going to be driving. <laughs> so we're going to use vacation week. So if you're out west, your best chance to see us is going to be Houston or Kansas, unfortunately. We want to be able to make it to like Seattle and California and stuff like that. But unfortunately, when you work regular jobs and only get so much time off, you got to pick and choose your... Your destination. So. Absolutely. All right. Are we ready to start this story? Yeah, honey, I'm ready. And we've got no commercials tonight, so you guys get a awesome. get a lucky break. So we all know that Will Smith was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That was Bel Air, California, though. I don't think he would have been quite so uh, excited or, or enjoyed living in the house in Bel Air, Ohio. Oh. Which is where our story is tonight. This story comes from the Bel Air house, and it's thought by many to be the most haunted house in Ohio. And why not? You know, I mean, you've got curses, you've got violent apparitions, you've got portals that are associated with this house. So in the last few years, there's been quite a bit of paranormal hype surrounding this little house. The rumor is that it's innocent looking mm -hmm. on the outside, which it is. You'll see pictures when you go to our Facebook page. It sits right on top of a cursed coal mine, though. And we'll get into the coal mine a little bit later. So that's... That's the first time I've ever heard of a cursed coal mine. Yeah, me, I haven't heard of anything like that. And when, to be honest with you, when we get into it, it's not as much about a cursed coal mine as it is the people involved with the mm -hmm. coal mine. But still, that's the way it goes. But it gets worse. But wait. Yes? I want to interrupt and say, God bless you coal miners. Yes. I mean, I can't, wow. That's all I can say is wow. You know, at one point in time, and I thought this would have been a great idea, I wanted to make bumper stickers to sell. It mm -hmm. didn't have anything to do with this show. But I wanted to have bumper stickers for sale that said, I only have sex with minors. But spell it M-I-N-E-R-S. Because oh. I thought like in West Virginia and yeah. Kentucky yeah. that it would sell really well. <laughs> so. You never know. Anyways. 
So I was going to say, this, this story gets worse, though. It's also situated on a ley line. Now, we've talked about ley lines uh-huh. and, and that having. It's also in a vicinity of sacred Native American burial caves. So that's pretty much a trifecta of supernatural forces here. And it sounds like something straight out of a horror movie. I mean, think about it. You've got, a, it's built on top of a, of a haunted or a cursed coal mine. You've got Native American burial caves and it's on a ley line all at the same time. Oh yeah, that's not a good mixture. So thanks to the tales of aggressive spirits and bad luck, some of the locals have called this the most haunted house on the planet. Now slow down. That's a pretty lofty claim. I was going to say, that's a, some big... <laughs> right. That's, that's a lofty claim. Now whether or not it's the most haunted in the world can be debated, obviously. It doesn't take away from the fact, though, that countless people continue to have terrifying and violent experiences in this empty house. So the Belair house has already started to gain a um, basically a mysterious reputation while it's set abandoned for years. Now, some neighbors claim that they could see people kind of mulling around on the inside of the house, peeking out the windows. Now, that doesn't seem all that strange until you realize that the house was always locked up tight. Mm. So there was no way for anybody to get in. Right. So many assumed that it was just kids kind of playing around in there. But when uh, the current owner, Kristen Lee, moved into the house, it didn't take long for activity to kind of manifest in more frightening ways. So one evening while Kristen was taking a nap, a gray apparition leaned across the couch cushion just kind of towards her. Well, she was shocked. And she asked the man who he was and why he was in the house. Well, he never really answered her, but he did kind of walk slowly towards the foyer and then just disappeared. <laughs> no way. So this mysterious entity seemed to kind of signal the start of a long run of frightening brushes that she had with the paranormal there. Unfortunately, these brushes would become more and more violent. The longer she stayed in the house, the more violent things got. So over the course of a few months, Kristen and her family were terrorized with constant bad luck, oppressive energies, and violent paranormal activity. I'm surprised she said something to him. She probably, she didn't realize that it was an entity. Oh, she just thought it was a man. It was like a man. Yeah, oh, it was God. Like a, it looked like a man. <laughs> Remember that on my TV? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So this all peaked one evening when the family dog was thrown against the bedroom wall. Ninja peeked his head up. That's not, oh, he did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is not cool. Now, at the same time the dog was thrown up against the wall, Kristen was actually held down by an invisible force. So it's like... She was being held down. The dog was pushed. All this was happening simultaneously. That night was the final straw. So the family packed all their stuff up. And they pretty much abandoned that terrifying place that they once called their home. Mm-hmm. How long did they live there, did it say? I'm trying to, I think it goes on in here to say it wasn't very long, though. It was, yeah. It was. Um, I think it was almost a year. But we'll get into a little more because I can't remember, to be honest with you. Unfortunately, escaping the Bel Air house wouldn't be quite so easy so i love this part despite the fact that she had experiences and all this violent activity that was going on Kristen decided to rent the house out to unsuspecting families <gasps> she didn't even well i always say that but my gosh how could you throw that on somebody else so and, and we'll find out why she did that okay. a little later so so what do you think happened next they moved in Tenants would move in and abruptly move, move out, out within like a few a, months. Oh, God. So all of these tenants are experiencing terrible luck, not just run-of-the-mill bad luck. Mm-hmm. One family said that they had, get this, 
six family members die before the remaining two members packed up and left the property for good. Six. When they die. Death. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean. No, but they had eight people in their family and six of the eight died. Oh, God. While they were in that house. Well, that's terrible. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I don't know if like four of them were killed in a car wreck or right. if they were all separate. Because you said that they just had bad luck and yeah. stuff like that. So after years of distress associated with this haunted property, she was fed up and she offered to sell the property to the village of Bel Air for a dollar. Well, that sounds nice. Because she was, <laughs> she was obviously hoping to, to finally be rid of the property, but also she had a mortgage on it. So she was hoping that she would sell it for a dollar, but then they would take over the mortgage. Mm-hmm. So realistically, it's not buying it for a dollar, it's buying it for whatever's left of the mortgage. Unfortunately for Kristen, no one wanted to buy the house. After all the years of paranormal attacks, locals pretty much knew that it wasn't safe for anyone to live there. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how they got these people to move into it that were renters, unless they were just from out of town. They had to be from out of town. They had to be. So then there was a suggestion to turn the house into a paranormal attraction. I mean, it would be legit. And it makes sense because that way there would be a regular influx of, of uh, paranormal investigators that might keep the house financially afoot, I guess we'll say, while they uncover the source of the haunting, which in reality is something they wanted to do. So, yeah. so you kind of kill two birds with one stone. Right. Unfortunately, probably both of those birds would come back and haunt the house. Oh. I mean, that's what's been happening to everything else. Wouldn't that be the luck? So between 2008 and 2012, several paranormal investigators worked with Kristen to kind of um, <laughs> dig up info, I guess we'll say. It's out of our coal mine, so they were going <laughs> to dig up some info about the history of the house and land. Now, the most prominent of these crews were the Kentucky Ghost Scouts, another group called Eyes of the Paranormal. But before too long, answers to some of the questions about what was haunting the property started to kind of materialize. So we talked in the beginning of the show about a, a cursed coal mine that kind of ran under uh, the Bel Air house. Mm-hmm. Now, this coal mine was once owned by a gentleman by the name of Jacob Hetherington. When he died, he left the land and the house to his granddaughter, Lyde. How about that for a name? L-Y-D-E, Lyde. And his grandson, Edwin. Unfortunately, Lyde died shortly after on the dining room floor of the home. Edwin was distraught. That was his sister, and they were super close. He became obsessed with contacting his sister from the other side. He brought in some mediums from all over the country to come help him connect with his deceased sister. So after countless attempts to try to connect, he was hooked. He began trying to strengthen his own psychic abilities. And according to several different mediums, Edwin unknowingly opened portals to the other side all over the house. Oh, my gosh. It's been reported by various paranormal investigators that he may have opened as many as 11 portals in the house. Well, I mean, did the grandfather not know about all this stuff? He was dead. He no. left. He died and left. Oh, well, apparently there wasn't anything really happening. At that time? At that I mean, time. why would you leave it to your grandchildren? Yeah, well, everything happened after that fact. I got you. And I think that most of it has to do with mm-hmm. after the, the granddaughter died. And then he opened all the and portals. And then he opened all these portals. Dang, Edwin. <laughs> so despite several efforts to close the portals, they refuse to remain closed. And they keep reopening up. So since the home's been open to paranormal investigators, there's been a number of incidents that Bel Air House tour guides has classified as demonic activity. The most notorious being a physical assault. That This happened one night 
on an evening tour that they had. So one of the tour guides was basically carrying an armful of equipment down the stairs. So he's got one arm full, the other arm, arm is, is available. He was violently jerked at the stairs. This threw him off balance, and his free arm went through the second floor window, and it almost knocked him himself completely out of the window. Well, that had to be a powerful jerk. Right. Wow. So did, the, that, did that happen in front of all the people I wanted? No, I think this happened by itself. Oh. That's just as he was coming down the steps. Because he had all his equipment, so I would imagine that was after the tour, probably. So the activity in the house got such a reputation that Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman, or Weidman rather, uh, spent 72 hours in the home for an episode of Paranormal Lockdown in Season 2. That episode aired in January of 2017, if anybody wants to go back and watch it. So some of the other phenomenon experienced in the house are sinister shadows, phantom footsteps, and disembodied voices. Now, many of the paranormal investigators feel like the activity became more intense as you reach the second floor. Now, the second floor is sometimes described as the um, epicenter of the house activity because it seems like that the violent hauntings even bigger than the Bel Air house itself. So, I wonder if that's where most of the portals were then. I'm sure that probably had a lot to do with it. Now, what we failed to mention to this point is that when it comes to the paranormal activity being reported around the property, one of the most interesting facts is that the haunting isn't affecting just this house. In fact, activity is happening pretty much all over that neighborhood and especially the nearby buildings as well. What, it bled over to the other buildings? Well, many investigators have concluded that the haunt is less about the Bel Air house and more More about about the the land. land. Exactly. So this is understandable if you look at the history of the area. Many lives have been lost in the coal mines, mainly due to dynamite blasts. And by the way, this coal mine was known as coal mine number one, which is not really important to the story. But Mr. Hetherington actually owned several coal mines all over the area. And this, I think, believe actually was the first one, which is why it was number one. So you got sacred Native American burial area, uh, the Ohio River is all in the vicinity of this house. So there's a bunch of tragedy happening on the Ohio mm. River back in the early days of, of this country. And then you got, like I said, all that stuff is all right there. Now, normally I do the history of these places, especially like the type of home that it is in the very beginning of the show. But I saved this one for this part of the show. The Bel Air house is a five bedroom, one and a half bath home located at 1699 Belmont Street in Bel Air, Ohio. It was built in 1904. And the original owner of the home was Jacob Hetherington. Like we said, and he owned a bunch of coal mines, including the one that was underneath the home. Jacob owned most of the coal mines that were in the Ohio Valley at the time. So he was like a, a big wig. Kristen bought this house at a foreclosure sale in 2005 for $46,000. So the very first incident that Kristen had was hearing some some footsteps that was upstairs when she basically assumed that it was her boyfriend, Jeff, up her kind of doing some work. Yeah. Well, a little bit later, though, Jeff came in through the front door and was downstairs. So she was shocked, obviously, figured, well, maybe it was just the house settling or something yeah. like that. She didn't think anything of it. A few weeks later is when she had the incident that happened on the couch that we talked about. She said when the entity approached her on the couch, her boyfriend and son were asleep at the time, but her dog was panic-stricken. 
She said she also thought that it was very cold in the room, so cold that she could see her breath when all this happened. That is not normal. Not normal. Eventually, they uh, would see strange ghosts popping up everywhere in the house. So so did her boyfriend start seeing stuff too? Or yes. just Oh, okay, good. Well, that's good. So it got to the point where she sent her young son to stay with her parents and her oldest son to stay with their father. So she pretty much got the kids out of the house, she felt, good, for good their for safety. Her. Good So after Kristen moved out, she tried to sell the house, couldn't get any takers. We talked about that. She teamed up with a 22-year-old Marine Corps vet, Jim Johnston, and uh, they decided to transform the place into a paranormal tourist destination, complete with a website and a Facebook page and all that. Thank you for your service, Jim. Yes, thank you, Jim. Kristen Lee published a book about her time living in the home titled 1699 Belmont Street. A portal to hell. So Kristen and Jim Johnson are now uh, looking to take the place into, uh, or turn the place into a haunted bed and breakfast, catering to tourists and to the occult. Ah, uh, why is she doing that? <laughs> why is she inviting the cult in there? <laughs> well, she's not inviting the, the cult. People that are just into that thing. Oh. So, so Kristen and Rebecca Stam Gordon discovered that they've got two ghosts in the house that share the same name. One of these spirits is a child, and uh, she used to play at the Bel Air house when she was little. The second Emily, though, is much older than the child. Mm-hmm. So the Bel Air house has seen an, an attraction of people that seem to have the first and last name sequence. The house also seems to call out people with the same first name to confuse the investigation. It's believed that the darker entities do that to make the investigation, uh, I guess the investigator, question who they are communicating with so one of the emily davises known to uh, haunt the house drowned the other was a friend to the original owner emily likes to talk through evps and ghost boxes Mm -hmm. she also likes to light up with pretty colors on the k2 meters (laughs) so let's go back to edwin he obviously was consumed with his sister's death and this may be because he had previously lost a twin sister oh wow so when Lyde passed away, Edwin's remaining family members tried to steal the house away from him, and they succeeded. This is why the ownership left the Hetherington family's hands. Well, I mean, that's probably a good thing, right? Well, not really. They just took it from him, so I mean, it probably turned out good for him. Yeah, that's what I mean. In the long run. So there isn't much known about Lyde and Edwin's mother, but it was learned that their father was committed to a lunatic asylum in Akron, Ohio. He was found incompetent to be committed in the asylum in um, Clairsville, Ohio. So he went to one. They determined that he wouldn't couldn't or wouldn't the right situation wouldn't right situation there. They sent him up there. It was determined that he was not of sound mind and lost use of his manners due to business failure. What that for a reason be? Yeah, that's a new one I've never heard of. The commitment paper stating that business relations worried him. And it was the cause of his domestic relations. It also had uh, partial, he also had partial paralysis on one side of his body and he had stammered speech. He probably had a stroke. Yeah. What it sounds like. Right. So it's said that some of the spirits at the Bel Air House are Native Americans from the Shawnee and Iroquois tribes, predominantly chiefs, shamans, and healers, because that are the, uh, those were the Native Americans that were actually placed in the, in the burial caves on that property. Mm-hmm. It was like a very special place for yeah. the higher-ups. 
So looking directly over the house from the sky, you'll see a perfect constellation or planetary alignment uh, to perform Native American ceremonies. So that's why they like that area. Ah. In 2016, Mike Simpson collected data. That's my cousin's name. Is it? Yeah. Huh. I doubt it was the same guy, though. So <laughs> in 2016, Mike Simpson collected data via Morse code, which wanted to be referred to as star beans. Star so the, beans. So the people that were giving him the information, which mm-hmm. he assumes were Native Americans, wanted to be known as star beans. Everybody who's visited the Belair house talks about the thick energy that it has to it. Some people will get instant headaches as soon as they walk in. Other times, the spirits are inviting and they just want to have their picture taken with or talked to. (laughs) Spats Paranormal did a flashlight investigation in the basement with a new spirit. They think it may be a slave girl, but they needed more info before they could say for sure. Now, because this area has been on a ley line... They said that it's a whole lot easier to connect with spirits who have no connection to Bel Air House whatsoever. For example, there was a female spirit that was captured by Steve Hummel. And according to him, she was shot and lost her child. Sometimes the name of the deceased loved ones present themselves, of the investigators. Seven out of ten times they believe it's the actual person that they're talking to, the actual relative. But the other three are evil tricksters. Oh, not tricksters. That's pretty much the story of the Bel Air house. So do you think the Fresh Prince would live there? Oh, yeah. Do you think Without it would, a doubt. Do you think it would be a whole different show if that's the Bel Air he was living at? Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it would have been a better show. Would Carlton do the Carlton in Carlton, front of Ghost? Carlton, um, I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> He'd probably let, try to get them to learn how to do it and all that fun stuff. So what do you think about... The story in general, I mean, what do you think the problem is? Because it doesn't seem like there were any situations until Edwin started bringing in mediums and Mm -hmm. then experimenting on Mm -hmm. his own with his own psychic I think the house just was in the wrong place at the wrong time, basically. I mean, you said, I think I'm like you, it had more to do with the burial ground. So you don't think it really had as much to do with Edwin opening up portals? No. Because how, how can you open up so many portals? I don't know, but I'm saying that they really didn't have the issues there. Until that. Until that, because, I mean, it was always on a ley line. It was always Yeah, well, that's, that's very, that's a there. good point. That's a good point. But how would you, like, how would he close the portals? I don't know. I mean, how would that happen? I have no idea. Not my area of expertise. Yeah. So I wondered, like, if a priest came in or whatever, that they could... Well, I mean, they've had a bunch of, of, of mediums come in and try to close them, and you would think mm-hmm. that... You know, but you're right. I don't know. I didn't see anything that said that they had anybody from a religious background. Yeah. Everything was just strictly from a spiritual medium background. I think it's really sad that his sister died and that he felt he had to go to that extreme to try to contact her. And look what, all, look what happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, all this bad stuff happened, and I just don't know. It seems like it's just, it would be an easier way. And it seems like, though, when you start, these people that come uh, become obsessed mm-hmm. with trying to reach someone after they, they die, I, I'm always curious 
like take the, for the Sarah Winchester deal mm-hmm. at the Winchester Mystery House. You know, she was consumed to the point to where it took over her whole life. Right. This guy seemed consumed to the point. Mm-hmm. So you wonder from a mental standpoint, like mm-hmm. with poltergeist and stuff, if teenage girls a lot of times going through puberty and adolescence can cause things to happen with their mind, maybe somebody that's grieving yeah, can I mean, cause that. But that wouldn't explain why the situation would happen after they were gone. Well, I mean, I guess they are trying to hold on to the very last inkling or whatever that they can hold on and maybe that's why they feel like they have to just keep on doing it right but what i'm saying is is it possible that the energy they're creating in their own mind is what's causing the problem and not anything to do with portals or not anything to do with? oh i'm sure i'm sure people just reach for anything and they can do or whatever their mind wants them to do when you you know you're not wanting to let a loved one go and you know i mean i talk to my mommy all the time outside on on the back porch every day i talk to her but i I don't obsess over it because i know it's you know nothing you can do but but she shows an occasional sign i think she does just like at josh's wedding yep yep she did she surely did tell that story real quick again i know we've told it before but there's a lot of people probably haven't heard it oh well josh had a, a wedding on this just gorgeous day it was so beautiful which by the way tracy tends to just tell you people without telling who they are like oh well josh is my son sorry about that (laughs) and he married his now beautiful wife sierra and everybody had walked down and the ceremony was getting ready well it was for he was performing the ceremony and we all were just kind of sitting in our chairs and this was outside by the way yeah an outside wedding and I mean, there was nothing. It was just a beautiful, calm day. No wind, no nothing or anything like that. And all of a sudden, like, I I don't even remember which point it was, when it was, but all of a sudden, the wind just started blowing like crazy. Like, so much to the point that, like, me and my daughter, Kristen, looked at each other. Then we looked at Josh, and we all three at the same time said, Mama, because Mom... I had spoken to a medium um, before, and she assured me that mom would be there at Josh's wedding. And it was, I mean, it was just, it really made the, and we like started crying because we just knew it was her. And then it just went away. I mean, it came, it did its thing, and then it just went away. Yeah, and it really was a unique situation because, first of all, this was in Kentucky in October, in where Ohio. normally this would have been 50 degree weather. Mm-hmm. This was a beautiful day. It was like literally 80 degrees. Oh, yeah. Everybody was, was sweating their tuxes. But it was like not a gust of wind all day long. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this, and that's what this was. It wasn't like two or three minutes. It was like a gust of wind mm-hmm. that lasted maybe three seconds. Yeah. And, and it was like a very noticeable, noticeable gust. So that was a happy time for us because we, we realized that that had to be mom. It just had to be. So. That was a blessing. but. Yeah. All right, guys. That's this week's story. Yeah. Well, we love y'all and hope y'all have a great week. And um, we'll be starting, which we should do every day, but counting our Thanksgiving blessings and things like that. So just everybody love one another. Be there for each other. And we love you. Hey, Hillbillies, if you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. 
All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Click on the tab for donations and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month, but regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier and you'll see what you get for free for that month, but you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you, we thank you, and we appreciate you.